I'm Jeffrey Meyerhart from Medical Oncology at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. I'm Ronald Blade from the Department of Surgery at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, and you are listening to the HowWeTreat.org podcast. Good afternoon. Um, I'm here with Dr. Professor Vanderweel from the Harvard School of Public Health, uh, and we're going to talk about a topic that is a little bit different than, let's say, a chemotherapy or a surgical approach to colorectal cancer. And I want you to introduce yourself and talk talk to us a little bit about this concept that you've published on um, significantly about religious service attendant, you call RSA in, in the papers, about how that is a factor in, in survival and, and better health outcomes. Yeah, so I'm uh, Tyler Vanderweel. I'm uh, the John L. Loeb and Francis Lehman Loeb Professor of Epidemiology here at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and delighted to be with you all today and to be able to participate in, in this interview. Several years ago, we began using data from the Nurses Health Study, a large longitudinal study uh, that's been collected over several decades here at Harvard. Um, The analyses we did used over 70,000 participants, Mm -hmm. and we we followed them over time to see whether uh, participation in religious community, religious service attendance, uh, affected subsequent health and well-being. Uh, We controlled for a wide range of um, social and demographic and health behaviors and uh, health characteristics and disease status and and pretty much everything we could get our hands on. And what we found is that over over time, over an approximately 15-year period of time, those who were attending religious services once a week or more were about 30% less likely to die over those 15 years. Uh, They were about... 30% less likely to become depressed. They were five times less likely to commit suicide. Um, So these are are pretty big effects on uh, a number of uh, important uh, health outcomes, which uh, led me to think maybe we should be talking about religious community as a social determinant of health more often within our discussions in medicine and public health. And so it was in looking at something else in the nurses' health study that then led you to this variable that seemed to have a, an impact on, on health? Or was did you go actually looking for religious service attendance? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I, I came upon this work somewhat more uh, accidentally. Uh, re- religious faith has been important in um, my life. And probably about 10 years ago, I started looking into how did... Um, uh, religious community intersect with my discipline of of public health, and much to my surprise, there were hundreds, even thousands of studies on on this topic, wow. um, which I had never seen, never come across during my doctoral studies uh, in public health. And it seemed as though the state of the literature was such that it was pretty clearly established that these were associated. But the questions were: first, is this causal? Right. And second, what are the mechanisms? Now, my primary role here at the School of Public Health is, in fact, as a statistician and epidemiologic methodologist. And the sorts of methods I work on are precisely those intended to address causation 
and questions of, of, of mechanisms. And so I thought, well, if I ever come across good data um, to address these questions, I'll, I'll see if I can contribute to the research literature um, in this way. I ended up with a small grant from the uh, Templeton Foundation to run a uh, seminar series on religion and public health here at Harvard, and I thought I'd bring in um, experts in, in the field to present, and I could also ask them if they knew of any good data sources. When this grant was announced at our faculty meetings, uh, one of the faculty members, uh, Eric Rim, came up to me and he said, you know what, Tyler, I think somewhere buried in the nurses' health study data, there's a question on religious service attendance, you should take a look. And so I did, and it was there, and it had been measured every uh, four years during the course of this study. So I had the ideal data set waiting for me uh, here at Harvard to address some of these questions of causation and of mechanisms. Just sitting in the archives. Yeah. Sitting, waiting to be analyzed. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful. And so we can maybe talk a little bit more uh, specifically about the causation. So I'm a colorectal cancer surgeon, and when we look at outcomes, we look at survival or uh, with my medical oncology colleagues, we look at lack of progression with, let's say, a new chemotherapy agent. It's when you talk about causation, give us your, either the facts or the theory, and is it because there's a wonderful social structure around uh, a steady religious attendance, or is there some other physiological trigger that... Uh, a sense of well-being that somehow has a boost to the immune system. What are your thoughts on uh, causation? Yeah, so with regard to causation, these analyses are all with observational data. Um, obviously, the gold standard for trying to establish causation is a randomized trial, but with something like religious service attendance, we can't really uh, randomize this. We're, we're, we're stuck with observational data. And, and so the concerns are uh, with observational data that this might be due to uh, confounding some third factor explaining both religious service attendance and our health outcomes. Another major concern is uh, what's sometimes called reverse causation. Maybe it's only those who are healthy uh, who can attend religious services, and that's why you're observing this association. And so we do a number of things to, to try to address those concerns. Um, one of the things we do is we control for, for baseline health. We control for you know, a whole host of um, health conditions, cardiovascular health, um, prior cancer, diabetes, self-rated um, health, depression, anxiety. Again, all the rich data in the nurses' health study we control for uh, at, at baseline. Um, and so that helps in part uh, rule out that possibility. But we also look at whether changes in uh, religious service attendance predict subsequent changes in physical health or, or vice versa. Um, and to be able to do that, you need data on religious service attendance and on health over time. And that's one of the remarkable things about this nurse's health study data. We, we, we have that. And, and so we're able to use more sophisticated statistical methods like marginal structural models to, to try to work out these questions of reverse causation. Finally, we also look at how much unmeasured confounding would really be needed to explain away these associations, because these are pretty substantial associations. And we can, um, using uh, sensitivity analysis techniques, 
assess the magnitude of, of unmeasured confounding that would be necessary. So for example, to explain away that 30% uh, reduction in, in all-cause uh, mortality for those attending religious services would require some third unknown factor completely independent of the rich set of covariates we've already adjusted for that increased the likelihood of attendance by two and a half fold and also decrease the likelihood of mortality by two and a half fold to explain this away. And that degree of unmeasured confounding here, given all that we've already adjusted for, doesn't seem um, all that plausible. Um, and so while we can't definitively prove causation, we, we can provide evidence. And in this case, the evidence is in fact pretty strong. Now that evidence is also further supported by an examination of what the mechanisms uh, might be. And we use mediation analysis techniques, again, sets of uh, more sophisticated uh, statistical tools to try to assess that. And um, what we find is that for that 30% reduction in all-cause mortality for those regularly attending services, it looks like there's not just one primary mechanism, but, but several. Um, so one might think social support is uh, quite important. You go to the services, you've got your community, and a number of studies have suggested social support is uh, beneficial for, for, for health and, and longevity, and we do find evidence for that. Uh, but we find it only explains about a quarter of the effect. So while social support is, is important, it is only one of the mechanisms. Um, here in the United States, and I'm not sure it would play out exactly the same way in Europe, for example, but here in the United States, we also find that uh, religious service attendance uh, predicts lower levels of subsequent smoking. Those who are smoking are more likely to quit. Those who are not are less likely to, to take it up. And um, those lower levels of smoking probably explain also about 20 to 25 uh, percent of the, the effect. Um, but there are probably other uh, mechanisms as, as, as well. Those who attend services uh, have uh, lower rates of depression, um, greater sense of optimism and hope, and some recent uh, psychosocial demiologic research has suggested these things also are related to all-cause mortality. So that might well be uh, one of the other uh, mechanisms. So I, you know, I think it's not just one thing that's explaining these large effects, but the fact that participating in a religious community shapes so many different aspects of one's um, health and behaviors and, and psychology, and it's the accumulation of these different pathways that's giving rise to these fairly substantial effects. There was an article in the last month in the Wall Street Journal that talked a little bit of, about this phenomenon. Um, they didn't directly refer to you, but they said a paper from the uh, from Harvard, um, which was referring to your paper, talked about this benefit, and they they talked about, for instance, pop up churches are now becoming more sort of popular, and there's this hope that in these poor communities that uh, this religious attendance in these pop-up churches may be of benefit. Can a person who has not gone to church for a long period of time, who gets sick, then start going to church, and can, can that be as effective as, let's say, a supplement or a, a chemotherapy drug? What, what, what are your thoughts on the, the person who didn't attend can they change their life around and get a better outcome in their health by going to church uh, at, a, at a later stage in life? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, and to address a question like that, one once again needs to be collecting data on religious service attendance over time. But that is precisely what we have with the Nurses Health Study data. And so we have been able to look at questions like that. Um, and when we look at... Um, 
changes in religious service attendance going from not attending to attending, uh, we do find similar uh, effects for, for all-cause uh, mortality. Um, looking forward into the future uh, ahead, the, the effects seem to be present. With, with depression, um, they are present as well, but not of quite as large of magnitude as, as going um, consistently. Um, but, but with all-cause mortality, the effects of, of transitioning from not going to, 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 to going to attending um, do seem uh, quite, quite, quite similar and quite powerful. Now, I mean, I do think in understanding the mechanisms behind these effects, probably you know, belief does play some sort of role. I think there's some evidence that it's really the coming together of the community, the social aspect, with the shared set of values and purposes and beliefs. It's those two together that really give religious service attendance its powerful effects. So what would attending do for someone who really doesn't believe at all? I think that that's perhaps a more complicated question. But but I think for many Americans, they, they do hold beliefs in God. Something like 87, 85% of Americans do believe in, in God or, or, or ultimate spirit of some sort. And, and so for many of these people, the decision to attend services is really in line with, with their beliefs. And it's just choosing to re-engage in that communal form of religious community. And I think the best data we have suggests that that can be um, very powerful. Um, people certainly don't become religious generally for uh, health reasons. These things are shaped by values and, and experiences and relationships and truth claims and evidence and systems of, of meaning. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes when people um, face illness, uh, they're, they're, they're led back to consider what their core fundamental beliefs are and what they want their commitments to be. And sometimes that, that illness can, in fact, bring them back to a communal religious life. And, and once again, the studies suggest that uh, that may be a very important health resource mm -hmm. as well. And you talked um, in, in a previous meeting, you talked a little bit about the differences between, let's say, the U.S. and Europe. Are there geographical region or cultural differences that, uh, that, that you see? Because the nurses' health studies are really a Boston area um, uh, sort of group of, of people. What about other parts of the U.S.? And is there data to support that for other parts of the U.S.? And what about, let's say, Europe, uh, where you're originally from? So, Yeah, so the um, data from the nurses' health study is U.S.-based, but it's not just Boston area. Yeah. While, we, uh, while the data is collected here, it's, it's a number of different states, and um, you know, different local and more local analyses have suggested similar effects on... Um, on all-cause mortality over time and, and on depression. Um, if you turn to Europe and even more secular parts of, of Europe, there have been studies, for example, in um, Denmark and in Finland um, with, with relatively low religious participation rates. But those the, even there, in these more secular countries who are attending regularly, one likewise finds a protective effect of religious service attendance on mortality. Effect size might be a little bit smaller, but it's still you know pretty pretty substantial twenty twenty five percent reductions in during the follow up uh, in these studies. Um, you know, likewise, there there is evidence also within Europe for a uh, protective effect of religious service attendance on depression. Um, if you look worldwide, it becomes a lot more difficult. Often, there's just not good data. Um, right. uh, 
I think the only outcomes we can really comment on there probably are all-cause mortality. And there's a study in Taiwan, another in Israel, suggesting effects of religious service attendance on, on somewhat lower uh, all-cause mortality rates there. But what that does for, for mental health, uh, we just don't have good uh, longitudinal data yet um, with, with good confounding control to, to be able to answer those questions. So I think that will be an interesting area for uh, future research in uh, in this field. And racial differences, is, it seems that it's uh, powerful throughout not just, uh, throughout many different sort of racial communities. Yeah, the, the, um, there, there's evidence that the, the effects persist across racial groups. Um, possibly some evidence for, for all-cause mortality in particular, that the effects are even larger with the black uh, community. Again, it looks like it, there's a protective effect both for white individuals and for black individuals, but the effects may be somewhat stronger for um, black individuals attending um, churches or, or religious communities. You know, why that's there, I think, is still a matter of speculation and, and further research. One um, explanation might be that uh, the, the role of religious community is even more powerful for those who are vulnerable. Um, but another possible explanation has to do with what does attending a religious service once a week really mean? Is it just showing up for an hour and then leaving? Or is it coming into the service and also participating in the Sunday school program and then staying afterwards for a lunch and really building community over the course of five hours? And I think that latter experience may be more likely in, in black churches than, than white churches. Uh, for example. So it just it may be that we get these larger effects with the black community because um, what attending a service once a week means is, is, is quite uh, different. But, but again, we, we don't yet have a good data to distinguish between those competing explanations. So two more questions. One is um, you talked, this is doesn't, it's not related to cancer, but you talked about how powerful this religious service attendance is on suicide and how it can be different across different religions in particular. Explain a little bit of, of that phenomenon. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm also happy to address cancer briefly as yeah. well with with, uh, with cancer. Um, it, it is interesting. Religious service attendance doesn't seem to have um, much effect on the incidence of cancer, may, may, maybe a little bit, but, but tiny in comparison to some of these other outcomes. But it does seem to strongly affect cancer survival. Um, uh, mortality rates from cancer about 25% lower for those regularly attending. So it's possible that that community support or that notion of, of, of hope really helps uh, sustain um, these people. So I, I think it is, uh, even with cancer, the, the, the results are quite interesting. Um, with suicide, we, we observe very large um, effects, again, five or six-fold reductions in suicide rates from, from the studies we've, we've run with the nurses' health study data. Um, it's kind of one of, if not the strongest protective factor that we know of for, for suicide. Um, there, there are risk factors that are um, predisposing risk factors that are, are comparable. But in terms of a protective factor, this, this is perhaps the, the, the strongest that, that, that's known. Um, so I think it, it really is um, very important. Um, we tried to do some work on understanding the mechanisms behind that. Um, and we had speculated that um, social support and lower alcohol consumption and lower depression 
um, might be important mechanisms. Uh, but when we use these mediation analyses to try to assess them, while we found they explained a little bit, it really was not much of the effect, much less than we had um, anticipated. And, and so our speculation is that some of this effect may simply arise from the moral belief itself that, that suicide uh, is wrong. That would require further analyses and, and data to, to verify, but uh, that's what these preliminary analyses uh, suggested. And I think because the effect is so large, we get these three, four, five, six-fold declines in suicide, religious service attendance, therefore, really is going to powerfully shape population suicide rates. Um, so there's been recent concern about rising suicide rates in, in the United States. The uh, Center for Disease Control reported that between uh, 1999 and 2014, suicide rates in the United States went from 10.5 per 100,000 per year to 13 per 100,000 uh, per year, and they've, they've continued to go up since. Um, during that same time, the, the Gallup polls indicated that religious service attendance has declined from uh, 43% in 1999 to 36% in, uh, in 2014. And if one takes the estimate from our study and extrapolates it to the, the U.S. population, it would indicate that of that rise in suicide, about 40% of it is in fact attributable to uh, declining religious service attendance. So that decline in religious service attendance really is powerfully uh, shaping suicide rates at a uh, national level. And so I, I think religious service attendance is a powerful social determinant of health, one we don't often think about or, or take into account, but when we ignore it, we're not getting the full understanding of what's shaping our um, population's health and well-being. It's interesting. We did a podcast on what is the real data on supplements and um, may be beneficial and what's just you know more hype and that sort of the three essential things are uh, vitamin D, making sure vitamin D levels are adequate or, or even supplements help there, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like an aspirin, but also exercise. Exercise helps with, um, with, with uh, outcomes after uh, cancer therapy. It sounds like we might want to add a fourth here, uh, that looking upon religious services, as you said, not just the attending of it, but for the people that have a belief and uh, a structure that uh, sort of inside themselves that maybe they go back to it or they become more compulsive with it. Maybe that's a supplement for the uh, for the cancer patient. What, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, I think this is a, a, a difficult area, kind of what are the implications of this research for uh, clinical practice. And, you know, I, I certainly don't think the results indicate that there should be some sort of universal prescription for uh, religious service attendance. Again, people don't decide to become religious for, for health reasons. These are shaped by beliefs and experiences, values, evidence, and, and so on. Um, but for the half of all Americans who do believe and yet don't attend services, I think in some ways these results constitute an invitation back to uh, communal uh, r religious life. Um, we've, we've seen from the data that that participation um, shapes so many different health and, uh, and well-being outcomes. So it's, it's clearly important for health and, and potentially um, so, so much more. So if, if we do hold these beliefs and, um, and aren't attending, one, one might ask, well, might, might this be something to, uh, to reconsider? And, and for people in that 
category, I, I do think, whether they're um, facing cancer, just trying to make their way through life um, more, more, more generally, I, I think it's reasonable to, to think about re religious service attendance. I mean, likewise, given these strong effects on health, I think it's reasonable for a clinician to at least inquire about uh, a patient's uh, religious or spiritual background and their community commitments. We know that religious service attendance and also other forms of community really are powerful for um, health. So I think simply asking that, that, that question in a very non-threatening way can be done, even if the clinician and the patient don't share similar views of, of faith. But, but that community participation um, I think can be encouraged and, and it can open up uh, no d discussion on um, what may be an important topic. Mm -hmm. Patients often say issues of religion and spirituality are very important in their uh, decision making. And I think it's important for a, a clinician to, to see that, to, to uh, understand that. It's, it's obviously can be un uncomfortable and I think often maybe the right course of action is a referral to a, a chaplain. But given how strongly it shapes so many patients' lives, uh, I do think it has some role within the practice of medicine. Yes. So last question, uh, where do we take the study of this going forward, either in small studies or in large studies? What, what would you, if you were to be head of a grant making um, at a pot of money and you had a, sort of the ability to uh, push grants out on this topic, what would be the questions that you would want answered? Yeah. So I would point to two things. First, from a research perspective and understanding the results themselves, I, I would say we need to do this on a worldwide scale. We need to understand uh, the nuances of different faith practices globally. Most of the work really has been in the United States, a little bit in Europe, but we know, we know very little about how these things play out empirically with rigorous data in Africa or, or Asia. Um, or, or, or the Middle East. Um, and, and so I would like a worldwide study, religion, health, and, and well-being. We, in fact, have a proposal together um, with, uh, with, with Gallup to try to run this study. 300,000 people, 22 different countries, nationally representative in each country. Uh, price tag on that's rather, rather high, about $15 million, but we're trying to get money from donors and from the Templeton Foundation to, to pull this off. But I think if we can, it will um, tremendously advance our knowledge in understanding. Um, so that's one thing I would do. I would fund the study that we're <laughs> trying to implement. But then secondly, and you know, maybe even more importantly, is t to better consider um, the, the, the clinical implications of, of this work. How do we uh, bring these ideas into uh, patient-centered care? Um, there's, there's clear evidence that you know, patients, the vast majority of them, do want these sorts of discussions, at least briefly, um, with, with their clinicians. Most, most clinicians feel uncomfortable doing so. Most haven't been trained to do so. Uh, but evidence also that training itself is one of the most powerful predictors of whether uh, a clinician will offer such uh, spiritual care to, to patients. Um, so I, I think funding towards um, you know, developing what would a single one lecture required module in, in the medical school curriculum look like? What would be the ideal content for that? How to, how to equip clinicians to address these issues, especially if... Um, their religious beliefs differ from from those um, of the patient, and and 
know how to raise in a sensitive manner, acknowledging that some people will have had negative experiences with religious communities, how to raise in a sensitive manner these questions about how religious community um, may be an important health resource and shape uh, health and well-being. Now, I certainly acknowledge that this needs to be done carefully with a great deal of um, ethical thought, but I, I think it's important if we look at the data and these powerful effects, um, we really do see that uh, religious community is an important health resource for many. And, and to neglect it's problematic. We can turn the question around and ask, given the strength of the evidence and the size of these effects, if we don't raise these questions, are we potentially doing harm? Great. Well, I want to thank you very much. This was a fascinating uh, discussion and something, as you point out, that we need to raise awareness of and uh, get more data on. Thank you. Thank you.